0: Love Talk Radio. General quarters, security condition three. GQ security three, sir. General quarters three, intruder alert. GQ three, intruder alert.
1: All right, my rockers, punkers, hip cats, swingers, and just uh, very fabulous people in general. Welcome once again to Madame Perry Salon, the podcast with more celebrities than the inauguration, and uh, I am so happy to be back, so happy to have you guys here because you have uh, given me so much as far as supporting the show, uh, listening, subscribing, downloading, sharing with your friends so that every single week and every single day uh, I get more listeners, which helps me get Uh, cool sponsors, and helps me get even better guests. And it's all thanks to you, and it's all for you. So if there's anyone that you particularly like and want to come back, let me know. If there's anyone I haven't had on yet uh, that you think I should, let me know that as well. You can always put your messages down here. Uh, If you're listening live on Blog Talk Radio or replaying on Blog Talk Radio, there's a section for comments. There's always a way to comment or find the Madam Perry Salon page on Facebook, Twitter instagram uh Google plus just about any social media, but it's it's thanks to you and it's and um uh, I hope you're enjoying as much as I am actually from what I hear you are uh and and I, that's what I want uh let's see kinda of go over let's see recently who do we have oh Mary T McCarthy uh with her book scarlet letter society oh she's fantastic um Somebody was asking me today at dinner or tonight at dinner about uh, how did she get the idea for that book or what she wrote. I said, you know, she says that most of it, because it's all about uh, suburban swingers, uh, just in regular suburban neighborhoods, that she got it from uh, list, uh, list, overhearing, uh, eavesdropping, listening to women at different uh functions she attended uh these were things where moms were hanging out in one area and talking about their swingers group, which you know you can't you can't get better than that um also well, better than that as I mean is you know having interesting uh plot and dialogue sent out there for you already um let's see who else have we had recently? Oh you know what um. I gotta tell you that also check out Bobby Rebel. Bobby Rebel was on not long ago with her book, uh, How to Be a Financial Grown Up. You know, she is a financial expert, often seen on T V. Uh she's worked for Reuters and she, you see her a lot on MSNBC. Uh, probably see her in the Financial Times New York Times Wall Street Journal, and she's making some personal appearances too, so uh, as well as some video appearances so also check out Bobby Rebell. Uh she was a great guest, got a lot of response uh, also who else Anthony Sharp was on not long ago. he is the what is it if you watch the show uh, miss Fisher's murder mysteries takes place in Australia in the nineteen twenties and it's filmed there. He's a Melbourne actor that plays Cease, one of the taxi drivers that Miss Fisher employs as her um as one of her detectives in her ladies' detective agency. So, uh, he's keep watching him. He's got a lot of films, independent films he's working on right now, and I think that there are more events coming up too with uh, Ms. Fisher. Now, tonight, my guest is a woman who is just phenomenal. I love having fantastic women on. And she's, I, I don't know where to begin to describe her. She's a uh, public speaker, an empowerment speaker. She's been a stand up comedian, a writer. She's written books, uh, especially on guitar instruction, uh, panelists at several events. She's uh, well, she's punk rock bassist, co-hosted the 2017 She Rocks Awards. If you listened a couple of weeks ago when my guest was Lita Ford, she and Lita, I believe, co-hosted the uh, She Rock Awards this year, and uh, they're good friends. And We talked about, I guess, then um, she is also inspirational visionary, guitar designer, owner of the only girl guitar company in the, in the world. She's the CEO of Girl Rock Guitars, and her name is Tish Siravolo. And Tish is not here yet. Now, I know you heard Mr. Sulu, my doorman, talking about an intruder, but I think he, um, I don't know, I don't know. I think he's he's been hitting songs or something, because, or sake, uh, because she's not here yet. She's probably just pulling into the drive. She could be leaving a, a big event. Tish Siravolo has been... A, traveling for weeks now, and uh, she's quite a busy lady, so I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Well, I give her a little bit of time to get in here, and I hope you're listening, and I hope you're going to call her and tell her how much, uh, how much you admire and how fantastic she is. I think I will play a song by, well, since Lita Ford was on here and Lita was talking about her, we'll go ahead and play something by Lita Ford. Who else? And the song is can't catch me Thank you. started off with Lita Ford and Can't Catch Me. And after that, I played Elizabeth Elkins' Sex and the Drugs, which was followed by Eleanor Rigby and Think for Yourself. And, of course, the one you just heard, you probably know, is Don't Fear the Rabbit by Frenchie and the Punk. And, you know, I told you um, tonight's guest is none other than tish cervolo and whoops i think she was right here and then she may have gone uh somebody with an 815 area code who are you sounds like peter g the artist but i'm not sure i'm really not sure anyway if you're if you're listening um right now uh, i think that tish is um She's on the road, and I would hope that she's not going to call in while she's driving unless she has a chauffeur, but I think it's because of the all of the hurricanes and the weather and so forth, getting our, conference, getting our timing off, and I believe we are going to reschedule, so it won't be tonight, but it will be very soon. We will have Tish Teravolo in the meantime. I'm going to tell you, go ahead. Go to her website, daisyrock.com, daisyrock.com. And also, I've got a link on here to, here on Blog Talk Radio thing, I've got a link to her 10-minute TED Talks. You've got to check out her TED Talks. Uh, I mean, this woman, back in the 80s, she was in a band called Lipstick. They were the house band at the whiskey, okay? How cool is that? Uh, Some of the... Some pretty famous people have been a the house band of whiskey, we you know. Also, if, I w- if you want to name some people that play daisy rod guitars, how about Nancy Wilson, Vicki Peterson, Nora Jones, Nina Hagen, Amanda Palmer, Aspen Miller, uh, Dee Dee of the Dumb Dumb Girls, Diana DeGarmo, Daniel Raven, Robert Smith of the Cure, and Wanda Jackson. And uh, let me see. Hi, this is Madam Perry Salon. Come on in and sit down.
2: Uh, hi, this is Peter G. I was on your show last week. I was just calling up. Uh, I was just calling up uh, because I was hoping to talk to, uh, hoping to talk, and uh, I guess she's not here yet.
1: No, she's not. In fact, I thought that was her, and then I recognized your number. If you might have heard me say
2: that. Yeah, that's, that's kind of why I called up. It's like uh, you better at least let her know. <laughs>
1: Well, that's fine. So, um, no, I'm glad. I'm glad that you're here. Yeah, um, you know, Tish has been on the road a lot. She's been traveling. And um, so we had rescheduled for tonight from a couple of weeks ago. And then what happened? Um, I think we just got, I don't know if it's between, uh, you know, I'm, in a different time zone than I'm normally at when I broadcast and she's been all over the place. So she had messaged me a few minutes ago saying that she's driving right now, which I said, don't, don't, don't be reading this. I hope you've got somebody reading these. If you're, if you drive up, you've got somebody in the, in the other seat reading these to you. Uh, I don't want to lose her now because of me. Uh, but I told her to go ahead. She's mentioned tomorrow, but tomorrow night's James Kotak, uh, You know, the drummer So, uh, so tell me How are you doing, Peter? Let me tell you No, let me tell you something first I love checking my stats on the show Because, you know, like I said It keeps getting better and better With more guests And because of the uh, nice people that listen Subscribe and tell their friends about it But you know what? Um, When I checked too I was not joking Your show is really picking up uh, uh, Downloads every day And Sometimes it's funny, you know, we we look for a lot of calls. Sometimes we have a lot of calls. Sometimes we don't. And sometimes people think that there are no calls or are not listening, but yet usually that's the time when people are listening and they just want to listen. And I got several messages on Facebook as well as on uh, the show page you know, or, or other messages to me. I think uh, private messages from Twitter's people saying, "That guy's really interesting. This guy's really fascinating. This guy's really cool." So um, that made me feel good. I hope it makes you feel good.
2: But. <laughs> oh, it makes me feel good. I'm just uh, it's. I'm trying. Not, I'm. Uh, I'm very leery of hogging the spotlight. I mean, I'm, it's like you know it you, you hear you hear compliments and stuff like that but you don't want it to go to your head i don't want to be one of those people you know what i mean
1: <laughs> I, I don't think you're in danger of that i really don't
2: oh, so, i don't know elvis um, blew you, it i can blow it
1: yeah well well i don't know as far as me i'm i'm sure that um at my age i don't have to worry about my career peaking too early
2: <laughs> but
1: there go. There I'm still
2: there waiting for mine to right? peak. Period. So.
1: <laughs> so okay. So listen, but I'm so glad you wanted to call in and talk to Tish. Um, what what do you know about Tish, Sarah Well, it's
2: it's more. I was curious about things like her place in uh, in music history because one of the things I I know we discuss. Uh, I know we discuss you know uh, you know gender politics and and uh, sexuality and Shh. stuff. And the thing is mm-hmm. that it seems like every time, because rock and roll is such a is such a man dominated thing. I mean, Pat Benatar said that there were radio stations that would refuse to play her albums unless she slept with them. Uh, you know, Joan Jett mm-hmm. and uh, and the Bangles, and uh, shoot, I can't remember her name. She was uh, she was in the Bangles. She was also in the one of the founding members of the Runaways. You know, they went through uh, it, and and it's just I'm I was curious in the about bangles? that. <laughs> Yeah, I th- I think it's – I no, I, it's not the drummer, but one of the members of the Bengals actually started off with the Runaways with Joan Jett.
1: Oh, was that Susanna Hoffs? No. Or Becky Peterson?
2: I, th- oh, I know, think Lita so. You know, Lita Ford th- was
1: on here a few weeks ago.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, – Lita well,
1: Ford of the Runaways, and she said the same thing. They had a hard time.
2: Oh, yeah, I mean, between uh, that and uh, – yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Lita Ford and uh, and – I mean, remember, there was in that era of glam rock when guys were putting on the makeup and teasing their hair, there was only one band of women, and that was Vixen. Everybody, and so I was curious about if she had seen if things had changed and gotten better over the years or if it was still that boys' only club to punch through. And I was also curious about uh, about her stance on things like, I mean, for we're still going through the era of the Taylor Swift and Katy Perry and to some degree, although she's not as involved in it now, Miley Cyrus, where it seems like the record companies mm-hmm. basically promote them more or less to divide the audience. You know, you can't like one. You have to be a fangirl or a fanboy of only one of them, and everybody else has to be shouted down. And in, for a message of empowerment that these girls keep singing about, it seems awfully unempowering that your only value is if you can be, you know, a warrior for something that ultimately doesn't matter. And I and I was curious about her stance on that versus uh, you know, the rock and roll scene that uh, that she's affiliated with. If she sees uh if she sees the record companies trying to pit uh the bands against each other publicly like that.
1: <laughs> That's interesting because I, I, I hadn't really given a lot of thought to that. But, but as soon as you say it, yeah, it, it's it's pretty obvious. It's very clear. And I think I have read something like that before. Empowerment, um, let's see, there was an article in the New York Times Magazine a few months back, empowerment, how it's become a word, you know, sort of like uh, like awesome. It has no meaning. It's been misused and overused until it, its real meaning is it's just it's, it's moot and defunct. Um, Yeah, I remember when, uh, you know, in Lita's book and when she was on, you know, she said that when, uh, because with the Runaways, Kim Fowley, the promoter that created the Runaways and called her and Joan Jett, um, Sandy and uh, Cherie Curry, pulled them all together. Of course, while he was promoting them, you know, they had places to go. They had somebody behind them pushing and, and paving, you know, helping make the way for them, although they worked themselves like crazy, but but on the other hand, though, once she was solo or once she fronted her own band, they just said they were going, well, we don't know how to market you. you know? Why? It's, it's, market me the same way you would the guys on the guitar. You know, do, the, do the same thing you would with them. Is that, and and uh, they were just seems totally stumped. Like Tish was talking about going to get her first guitar, and the guy that worked there was talking to her boyfriend. It's, it's like she's not there, saying, well, what does she need?
2: Mm-hmm. You know, so... Um, Oh yeah, it's uh, yeah. Unfortunately, gender roles still play a part in things, even if we don't acknowledge it. And this isn't somebody who's who's uh, you know, because you see people that basically uh, try and use oh, I understand gender roles and stuff like that. Basically, is a form of self-validation. You know, it's like how some people are Christians or whatever, not because it's what they believe, but because they think it makes them more important in the eyes of other people. Oh, look what I believe. They can't wait to promote their own self-interest. And you Mm -hmm. see, but the thing is, is that you see it in a lot of places, like, um, I'm getting ready, uh, I'm getting ready for the comic book convention next year, and I know how to sew, and I decided I was going to try and sew, and I decided I was going to try and sew a costume. Usually when I'm in the fabric stores, nobody thinks twice. If anything, they think it's kind of novel that there's a a straight man who actually knows his way around a sewing machine. (laughs) But there was one woman that basically she was looking at me like, what are you doing in my realm? And she was talking really condescending to me and basically being very dismissive, not helpful at all, all because it's like, no, this is my world. What do you think you're doing in here? So there's a lot of people that want to let people be what they are. But let's face it, there's marketing and money to be made in trying to reinforce these rules and encourage this hatred going back and forth. Uh, Have you ever heard of the the punk band Screeching Weasel? Yeah. Yeah, they're based out of Chicago. They did a song called Mm -hmm. Racist Society, and at one point he sings, there's a lot of money to be made in keeping you paranoid and afraid. And that's so much of what you see. We live in an era when mm-hmm. so many individual voices can get out, when so many creations can happen, whether they're artistic, whether they're just entertaining, whatever. But it doesn't do any good unless you can use it to drive a wedge between people and subdivide them into a, into a, into a specific audience.
0: Mm hmm.
2: And it's just, you that, know, that, that, you that. see people. Oh.
1: That, I'm sorry. That lyric is stuck in my head too. That lyric is so right on.
2: Yeah, and it's like that with anything. You know, you want to make pe- you want to make people hate. You can make them hate based on religion. You can make them hate based on gender. You can make them hate based on sexuality. Whatever. And people will be so caught up in in this in this uh, in this false narrative that we have to be in conflict. That's one of the reasons that I was uh, that I was so proud of what was happening in Houston after the hurricane because all that stuff it didn't matter. You know, black lives matter they were helping everybody, not just black people. It, people were coming okay. together and doing everything that they could. We want to get along, but there's not as much money to be made in it, so there's a vested interest in trying to keep us
1: apart. Amen, brother. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. And uh, but that, that I still I'm going to have that lyric just posted somewhere. Um, by the way, some people that were that were going to uh, listen tonight, That were wanted to call in and talk with Sis. Uh, there's a blues musician in uh, Tennessee named B.B. Queen, whom I love. B.B., go ahead, if you're listening, go ahead and call in and talk with me and Peter. Also, uh, a blues musician in Atlanta, Georgia, Laura Lockie. I'm going to call in, and I'm not sure how many others, maybe Duffy Odom and Adele, Georgia, who I believe called in, with, well, he did call in when you were on and was talking with you. So anybody else that wants to call in and talk with me and Peter G. for a bit, please do, uh, because this will be fun. Uh, Tell me that line again, screeching weasel. Tell me that line again.
2: Something There's weird. a lot of money to be made in keeping you paranoid and afraid. You're damn, Skippy. Yeah. Yeah, it's. And it's a shame you when know,
1: we don't see it. Well, I, it's. I might say it, and I, I might agree with it, but then I think, how many times do I not see it? How many times is it being worked on me that I'm that I think I'm too, you know, I think I'm above. Of it, but don't
2: realize that I'm being manipulated. I wonder. Well, one, we all make mistakes. I mean, we're human. There are times we get caught up in things and we just don't realize it. You know, one of the things, uh, like when Trump was running for president, he was bragging, Yeah, we all have racist thoughts. I'm just honest about it. I'm like, The problem isn't the honesty. The problem is most of us know we're not supposed to have them and we try and work past them. We don't celebrate these thoughts big difference. So we can get a, one is that we can get caught up and the other is sometimes our point of view just is that whatever is happening is not that big a deal. I mean there's there's a cartoon show called Steven Universe that a lot of people love because it's so progressive and whatever. I don't watch it. I've tried it. I, it doesn't appeal to me. But you got people that will that uh, that see this as basically a beacon for their ideas in that. And that's fine. It just means that it just means that it's a shorthand. I, everything that we like and that we, all the art that we consume, reflects us. You know, I'm not going to come a, a, a guy who is a real diehard homophobe is not going to come out of a movie like Jeffrey and think, why gay people are just normal like you and me. And likewise, I didn't come out of Basic <laughs> Instinct thinking lesbians wanted to kill straight men with ice picks. But you swap us around and put us in mov in the movies that are geared towards us, you know we're both going to have our ideas of validated. I'm going to watch a movie like Jeffrey and think, "Yes, this is how it is," and a homophobe is going to watch basic instinct and think, "Yes, this is how it is." So we do tend to get caught up uh in things that that affirm our point of view, which is just human nature. We don't want to be surrounded by by ideas we think are stupid. I mean, believe me, the only reason I have a copy of the movie Birth of a Nation in my collection is because of its place in cinematic history. It's stupid. Mm -hmm. It is dumb. It is inaccurate. It is racist. It is horrible. And if it weren't for the Mm -hmm. fact that it was such a pivotal moment in cinematic history, that thing would have vanished beneath the ice and no one would ever hear of it again.
1: Yeah, and and you're right. It it is one because I remember being shown – well, they showed just a a section of it in um, in my film – Just a few film classes I had at Georgia State. You know, they just just put just a little bit and just show. Yeah, for for that same reason, uh, I'm
0: sitting there and I'm watching
1: and
2: I'm (laughs) I'm I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, man, I haven't seen anything this inaccurate from what really happens Since the Ten Commandments with Trout and Heston. This is a riot. Oh if, you, if if you read the book of Exodus, here's the big thing: Moses was quiet and shy. Joshua did most of the talking for him. He did not go around with a bombastic voice like that in the movie.
0: <laughs>
2: but it's an epic, and you got to sell an epic. And by golly, that's what Heston did. <laughs> <laughs> well, think about it. You got all that scope. You got like the, the 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 scene where the Red Sea parts is still breathtaking to me, even after all these years. You're not gonna want to have a you're not gonna have a guy that looks like Woody Allen <laughs> representing Moses
1: in a movie like this. <laughs> well, wasn't the What was the movie with Steve with Steve Carroll as, as Moses type of uh, surreal? Story.
2: Oh, you know what uh, I'm talking oh, about? Evan Almighty,
1: Evan where Almighty. God commands yeah. him to build the ark. <laughs> he starts growing the beard. <laughs>
0: hmm
2: Yeah, it's uh, it it gets interesting. It gets interesting. That's one of the things about the Hannah Singer books is that as I'm writing it, because a lot of it came from just wait a minute, that's not what I remember happening in the Bible. You know, in my in my CCD class, you know, you know King David, he's you know great mighty king. He was a wise man and and he's a hero and stuff like that. I'm like, this is the guy who sent his buddy off to war to get killed so that he could bag his wife. That doesn't sound very uh, <laughs> that doesn't sound very upstanding exactly. to me. <laughs> so, but there's a lot of there's a lot of misconceptions and stuff like that. And it's not the fault of people wanting to be ignorant. It's just this is the message they've been taught for all this time. And it it just takes uh, it you just gotta overcome that inertia.
1: Oh, I'm glad you brought that up about the Hannah Singer book. So for anybody that missed this before, uh Peter G is a <clears throat> excuse me, an artist, animator, writer, raconteur, bon vivant, <laughs> herself, man. And uh but he's got this fascinating character he created. Hannah Singer, celestial advocate, and I don't know if you, if you told me you only intended to write one book, but they got such great response that you, you create another. But tell us who Hannah Singer is a little bit about her.
2: Okay. Well, uh, ha- the whole gist of Hannah Singer is when uh, – is uh, you got somebody who you, – you know, you know you do something. You got people saying you're being naughty, you're being sinful, you're going to burn in hell. Hannah is your defense attorney on the other side. Uh, the way that it's set <laughs> up is that when you, when you die, you petition to get into heaven and your case is, but God can't decide for himself because he made a covenant that he would not over he would not usurp uh, you know what people uh, have created for themselves for their rule. So there are celestial advocates who argue on behalf of mercy and God and whether or not a person deserves to get into heaven and you have the churches who represent the earthly church and they argue their point of view. And at the point in the story where they start These two sides have started to diverge because the church is becoming more and more interested in consolidating its power and basically the fact that they have people's lives in their hands. And Hannah comes along, and she winds up uh, working with the Celestials. Uh, She was an atheist while she was alive, and she flat-out admits it's unusual for this to happen. (laughs) But she is the smartest person in the room. She gets the toughest cases, and – Basically, every case she gets is, here's the situation, how do you navigate out of it? Uh, In – I can't remember which book it was. There's one story called Live to Serve You, which uh, takes place – it's a a slave during the Civil War South who gets mixed up in an uprising, and and he winds up dying. Well, the churches want to cast him into hell because, according to the Bible, slaves are supposed to serve their masters. He did not serve his master, therefore he deserves to burn. And Hannah Here's the rub of the story Because uh, St. Michael flat out tells her You can interpret the bible You can explain it but you cannot dismiss it She needs to find some way Of maneuvering around this to save the guy's soul Without basically nullifying The bible and the, and the laws of states So each Story is like a chess match Between her and whatever the other side Is arguing
1: Ah. Okay. All right. And so does she ever does Hannah ever turn down a client? I mean, does she does she have any choice about defending people or representing people?
2: She get well uh, as the stories progress. At the start of it, she's just another advocate. There's a, there's a lead celestial who basically decides who handles what cases, and you know they decide based on each person's arguing strength. Eventually, she becomes lead celestial. So it's not that she turns them down so much as the really simple cases she hands off to someone else, and it's more from the standpoint of creating the stories because, frankly, the way that I write her, it's kind of boring to see her arguing. Uh, a case with some guy who say stole some gum when he was a kid. You know, the very first story she's trying to defend a porn star. So it's like, no, 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 somebody you have to create you, when you create a dynamic hero, you need to create dynamic stories to keep things interesting, otherwise it's a waste. So Hannah basically mm-hmm. winds up getting all these tough cases and she doesn't turn them down mostly because she was, a, you know. Here's a spoiler, because uh, in the first book, the story of her trial is told exactly how she faced it. Because they flat out state, it's like, yeah, we don't usually deny atheist heaven, so why all of a sudden the churches are denying your petition? We have no idea. She wins her trial, and she can go to heaven anytime she wants at this point. But she's refusing to because she can advocate she can defend these people, so basically she's putting her heavenly reward on hold, so she can argue for and protect these people so turning down cases is not exactly in her nature
1: okay oh when um. How long does she have to prepare for each one of these trials? Does she have to come up with it off the top of her head? Does she have to come to research? Yeah, I hope you don't mind she, me asking.
2: Oh, not at all. Uh the way the the way the procedure works is that when your soul gets uh, when your soul gets uh to uh the afterlife, you don't go to heaven right away. And you go to uh you, you go to the celestial archives and you petition that you want to get into heaven because nobody forces you. If you are afraid of your fate and you would rather just wander around the afterlife, you can do that. You put in your request, mm-hmm. at which point it goes to the the head celestial, which uh, which or the head celestial or Saint Michael, because Saint Michael's in charge of the celestial courts. So he does a lot of uh, a lot of this also. And they decide, okay, if this if both sides say this person was good, let him into heaven. They both check it, and you're automatically granted approval. If one side contests and says, no, we don't think you deserve to go into go into heaven, it goes to trial. And it does not go to trial until both sides say they're ready. So this way they can research what they need to because we're talking someone's eternal fate. They don't want to just uh, –
1: Oh, oh, sure. Okay, I got you there. If
2: if I had just a little more time, I could have come up with a winning defense. It's like the
0: (laughs) –
2: So, no, they do, uh, you don't get a set amount of time. You get basically as much time as you need. And, in fact, uh, in uh, the first book, there's a story about, uh, about uh, Tarquemada from the Spanish Inquisition. He's been hanging around the afterlife for about 100 years at that point because they aren't convinced that they can – the churches aren't convinced they can get him into heaven. So they have all the time they need to prepare, but things don't get moving until everyone says, okay, we're ready. Let's go.
1: Well, now, let me ask you this, because sometimes people need visual. So when you created Hannah Singer, a celestial advocate, lived as an atheist, and now is a, a counselor at law in the in the big court behind the pearly gates. Mm-hmm. Um, who did you have in mind? A, a person, or could you name somebody who's a well-known figure that we would recognize, that uh, upon whom you might have modeled Hannah after? Who would she look like? I mean, would she look like more of a Reese Witherspoon or Leslie Jones, or you know, um, not uh, really. Olivia? Uh,
0: yeah.
1: Okay. In
2: the stories, I basically established she's a she's a dishwater blonde. She's from she's from medieval England. She was a peasant. And I didn't really dwell too much on the appearance, and I certainly didn't want to blam her up because I didn't want it to seem like I – wanted, I wanted the emphasis on Hannah to be the fact that she was just an ordinary person like you and me. She wasn't particularly smart. She didn't go to school. She just kind of stumbled into this. She had a knack for it, and she has the chance to be a hero, and so she's doing it. So I didn't really put that much in there and part another part of the problem is that when it comes to a lot of uh, actresses in Hollywood you don't see a lot that are celebrated for their intelligence so i couldn't really think of any that i could that i could use as a model for that you know most women who are popular are popular because they look good you know jessica alba mm-hmm. jessica alba looks great she's not a good actress but she looks great uh- <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: as, I, I hate saying this Because I don't like bagging on people But watching a Fantastic Four And she's supposed to be a scientist I'm like really
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: You know it, It's yep. like men are, men are presented As the smart ones and stuff like that And women are the eye candy And I wanted to flip that with Hannah I wanted it to be She's just like you and me She's somebody that you would pass Walking down the street but what separates her from everybody else is her intelligence and her and her morality the fact that she's willing to put her own salvation on hold just so she can make sure nobody goes through what she did so i don't really have much of a visual beyond you know dishwater blonde standard build you know things like mm-hmm. that you know it's more her it's more her personality that defines her than her looks
1: and you do this is that is uh, interesting you talk about the take on on what um Actors really chose them more for their looks than than skill or, or their ability. Because I watch a lot of um, a, a lot of TV, like British TV and stuff. Um, and, and you know, like I do, they it's, it's uh, sometimes it's surprising, but it's refreshing to see a show where it doesn't look like everyone came out of a modeling agency.
2: Oh yeah, you know? uh, have, you, have you ever tried watching Supernatural? All the women on that show are hot in the exact same way. <laughs> the women on that show look almost virtually identical, almost the same proportions, almost the same everything. There's your clonomatic, right there.
1: <laughs> I have never seen Supernatural, but I watched when I watched the, uh, the uh, Univision or Telemundo, the telenovelas, uh, mm-hmm. and it's like these. It's like oh my god, I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure people probably the most coveted job on, on the crew was to be the cleavage cam, and <laughs> um, there's <laughs> I, I have an esthetician in Atlanta who's from Guadalajara, and she does look like one of those women. She is just gorgeous, and uh, but but yeah, it's. Uh, Interesting how it's <laughs> just the difference, and then you then you watch something like uh, lately I've been watching the, the series uh, Doc Martin from the BBC mm-hmm. and or or things like that, you know. Yeah, it's like nobody looks like they came out of a of a off, off the runway or the walk, you know, they're they're people and you adore them and they think that they, they are more endearing to you because they they're they're people, you know, they look mm-hmm. like people and uh. Because I thought, now over here, that person would never, oh, over here, in the U.S., that would never get cast
0: for
1: that. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, you look at, at the, the sports illustri- talking-
2: I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, well, look hey, at the Sports you- Illustrated swimsuit issues. You know, when that hit its stride mm-hmm. in the late 80s, early 90s, you had Kathy Ireland, you had Ellen McPherson, you had Rachel Hunter, you had individual models, and you could tell which one was which just by looking at them. Now they look pretty much the same, and if it weren't for the little thing telling you who was who, you might not be able to tell the difference. You occasionally get somebody who's an individual like a, like a Kate Upton, but for the most part, they they look the same. And you know, you'll notice now that you don't have. Uh, I mean, there were so many people who used this as a launching pad for their acting careers. Nowadays, it's just like, yeah, okay, you were in Sports Illustrated. Whoop dee do. <laughs>
1: You know, this is funny because I kept thinking the last few years. I think I'm thinking I can't tell anyone apart anymore. And I thought it was just me. I kept thinking everyone looks the same to me. You know, if they're if they're white, blonde hair, blue eye. You know, I can't I can't mm-hmm. tell them apart. And uh,
2: yeah. you know, back then, back then I had a crush on Carol Alt. You wouldn't see someone like Carol Alt oh, nowadays. yeah. You know those eyes; those were amazing eyes. But, like I said, it's Carol Alt had a physique that was not normal. You know, it was more heavy set towards the bottom. Mm -hmm. She was smaller towards the top. That didn't conduct. That doesn't conduct itself to the outfits that they're wearing now. So, it's like no, you'll Mm -hmm. never see someone like her in those pages again.
1: It's got to be skin tight That's true Carol, yes, gorgeous woman um, But I was going to say To move on to something uh, You and I were talking um, Actually earlier today About travel And uh, we were talking about countries You'd want to go to And think about If you were going to go somewhere uh, just Say in the next month You had a free trip to somewhere What would be your first place to go?
2: Oh, t- um Assuming I didn't have any uh, – and I wouldn't have any problems when I went. and the reason I want to emphasize this is because I am superstitious, and I am a bit paranoid at times. Uh, my parents uh, went to Vicksburg one time, and they said, hey, P, you really ought to come here. and We can have a family vacation in Vicksburg. I'm like, yeah, the place with the, uh, with the Phantom Con- Confederate soldiers. Yes, let's haul my Yankee butt down there whew, with a bunch of armed Confederate ghosts where they could go, hey, look at that guy. Boom. <laughs> so I te- so I tend to factor a lot of stuff in there. It's one of the things about like Europe because that's where a lot of your old stories and uh, and your old legends come from. So it's like you always wonder what's mm-hmm. underneath the surface. Like in Poland, you know, my my ancestral home. There's there's a forest that it, I don't remember what the forest is called, but the trees grow up about six inches out of the ground. They make a right angle and then they curve up like a hook. That's not normal. No one knows why the guy did it. No one knows how he did it. All you know is that you look at it and it's like, ooh, This is some bad juju." I'm not sure if I want to be in this area. You know, I mean, remember the uh, the pole who invented Esperanza? He was a he was a hardcore uh, he was a hardcore witchcraft practitioner. So it's like, no, you're not necessarily safe sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but assuming that I wouldn't have to worry about things, I would love to go to Bethlehem and Jerusalem. That would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. I would love to go to the Rock of Gibraltar, the Rock of Gibraltar, because there are stories that you can actually meet real angels in there. And apparently, uh, the monks and stuff that work there, they run into him all the time. It's like, yeah, he pops by every if a tea or something. So I think that would be interesting. Uh, I might want oh, to go to London. Yeah, so yeah. Supposedly the place is just jam packed with angels, and if the circumstances are right, you can actually meet one. Which that's a vacation photo. <laughs> oh, you and uh, oh, you went to the state fair on, over the summer. That's nice. <laughs> Look what I did.
0: <laughs>
2: so. But you know, I I think <laughs> London might be interesting to visit. Uh, you know, certainly from the standpoint of of artistic creation, because I mean, I'm a I'm a fan of a lot of British television, like Ashes to or like uh, Life on Mars, which I thought was brilliant. The American mm. version just oh, yeah. didn't make it. Work. You know, things like that. No. I used to be a Doctor Who fan. Uh, the Capaldi era ruined it for me. I'm just tired of every Doctor being a bigger jerk than the one before. And, but but you know we 're talking you know we 're talking about one of the oldest one of the oldest societies in the world, and where a lot of a lot of our procedural uh a lot of our legal procedurals and stuff come from so just from the standpoint of this is kind of where America got its start, I think would be amazing uh I would love to visit mm-hmm. japan uh i I sort of want to visit Japan, but sort of not because uh, there's places like the Akihabara uh, district where during the daytime everything's fine, but once uh, well, once it's nighttime, it becomes a red light district. I get very I get very concerned about the unrepentant exploitation of uh, of modern society there. You know things like the idol bands where there's teenage girls. I watch the concert because I like some of the music and. The audience is almost entirely guys who are my age or older, and it's like you guys shouldn't be this into this.
0: Mm-hmm, you, know, maybe, mm-hmm.
2: you know, enjoying the music is one thing, but you you shouldn't be acting like these are like how some people act about comic book heroes or soap opera characters. It's Like, you're too into this. You you need something a little more age appropriate for you. So there's yeah, really? also so there's things there that it, it's. It's one thing to go there for sightseeing and stuff like that, but if you actually start experiencing the people, you start learning the things that work and don't work, and it doesn't become a vacation; it becomes basically an anthropological study and so the question becomes you know are these people that you would actually want to get to know and like I said, mm-hmm. some of the stuff that i see uh some of the stuff I see in Japan. You know, with, uh, you know, oh, trust me, she's she's legal. No, she's not. Yes, she is. We say so. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're not entirely sure you want to get caught up mm-hmm. in that mess. Mm-hmm.
1: So, when um, I was in Japan, it was back in 1987 in the spring. Cause my husband was um, going there for work, and um, – you know, I wanted to go see at least some of it with them, so I went and spent. He was he ended up being there five months, but I think I spent about three weeks there. And um, first of all, yeah, I had never really been anywhere then. I didn't know about anything. All I knew was Japanese fruitcake. I didn't like that, so I wanted But I knew that wherever he goes, and we had just gotten married, but I knew that wherever he goes, he has a good time. So. I want to go too. You know, he you mm-hmm. can put him in any country, anywhere around the world, and he's had to go, and he's had to make uh, mend relationships between customers in other countries and company he's working for when things don't go right and he's the kind that can go in and make friends and then he comes back he's got recipes he's got pals pen pal all kind of stuff you mm-hmm. so, uh, know so i thought okay he goes he'll have fun i'm gonna go and i did and uh, so what i did by day we were in a small town first takahashi and i went wandering around we both studied a little japanese before we went you know sort of some courtesies but then i went and found an english school people trying to learn English so I dropped in and I said if anybody wants to practice with me this is my number, this is the hotel I'm at and so I made some friends like that and uh, and then these women invited me over for lunch one day, a group, and I thought, okay, whatever they eat, I've got to be able, Whatever they serve, I'm going to eat it. I don't care what it is, what it looks like, I'm going to eat it. So I starved myself from the night before, so I would be so mm-hmm. hungry that even if it was something I didn't like, I would eat it. Cause I didn't want to be rude. And I get there, and these two of them had lived in America for a while, a few, or a few years with their husbands. They were on business, they said, well, we were in America, so we thought this is what she might be missing. And they had they made little peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for me. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. like that. that
2: did you so, did you go to the Rabbit Island?
1: Geez, that was so. Th- the Which ones? The that Rabbit Island?
2: island? No. There, no. There's an island. Uh, there's an island. It's uh, it was uh, used as a chemical uh, factory during World War II. It is overrun with rabbits. Uh, if you do a search on YouTube for Rabbit Island, you know th- there's just literally hundreds of them <laughs> that will just swarm the people on the island just uh, just looking for food and it's the cutest thing you've ever seen <laughs> i'm serious do a search for rabbit island it's like if i went to japan it's like that's something i want to do they have they also cuz i like rabbits they also have rabbit cafes where you can, uh, while you're having lunch, you can rent a rabbit for like an hour and a half or or more, and the menu, for like a better phrase, tells you the rabbit's personality, like if it likes to be cuddled, if it likes to be played with, blah 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 blah, and for like an, a half hour to an hour, you can you can have lunch with a rabbit.
1: Good. Grief. I have never heard this, uh, but now I'm looking at it. Now I'm seeing this something on YouTube. Get smothered. What does it say? It's a YouTube and it says, "Get smothered by bunnies on Japan's Rabbit Island."
0: That's oh my the one. Gosh, I had no
1: idea.
2: Yeah, get there's uh, there's also a, a a sailor there's also a Sailor Moon museum. It has a restaurant attached. If you go during when it's not tourist season, you know it still takes you a little while to get through the line. And some of the food, oh my god they have they have this one drink that's like basically a liquid rainbow, and it, it, I'm looking at this, I'm like, oh, just stick that to my hips that's
1: uh... <laughs> I'm looking at this picture, Rabbit Island, a Japanese holiday resort for bunnies, Okanoshima an island where Japan produced poison gas during the Second World War is now a haven for friendly rabbits. Oh, my gosh. i tell you what.
2: I know where you're so going if you ever idea. go back there.
1: <laughs> if I go back. And I do want to go back. And the thing is, while we were there, we did take one long weekend to go to uh, Tokyo. My husband had a, uh, a Japanese band a couple that used to live in Atlanta so we went to visit them and ended up going to see a concert of a band that this band that this couple also saw when lived in Atlanta um I don't know if you remember a group back in the day called the Georgia Satellites oh yeah
0: <laughs> okay Keep your hands All right.
1: so yeah so so my husband uh so you know, he, there was a club where they had these uh, bands that played, like one night it was the Swing of Richards, one night the Weasels, that was my husband's band, and the next night the the uh, Satellites, well, they, were the, they weren't they were the Georgia Satellites then, it was Satellites. And so those all week Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. This was the bands that played every week. And this, and this Japanese couple went to see them too, and they were friends of my husband. So we went to see them. And you got to imagine sitting there in Tokyo Sun Plaza, watching this concert of the satellites and all the, the Japanese people, and they're waving these little Confederate flags. Wow!
0: The oh, on Japanese love
2: American pop culture. They really do. I mean, it's it's very easy for American acts to become popular there. You know, it's you know, it's it, a lot of. Uh, I mean, heck, their whole, their whole anime industry was mm-hmm. basically inspired by Walt Disney and seeing what he was accomplishing. Before Disney started making cartoons, Japanese animation was very different, both in its look and in the stories it told. And once, uh, because of you know World War II and the occupation stuff like that, is that, you know because you have American servicemen, so they started bringing Walt Disney cartoons so that the American servicemen could see them. The Japanese saw it, it's like, hey, this is interesting, and uh, you know they took it and ran their own direction with it. But still. The influence that the cultures have on each other, and now it's going the other way with so many Americans influenced by anime and manga. Me, for example, that it's like a cultural exchange, and it's mm-hmm. really interesting seeing where everybody's developing with it.
1: Oh yeah, and, oh, but I got to back and place because we're we're about to go off right now. But oh, I mean, on air. But not off so uh <laughs> you know just before you called i played don't fear the rabbit by Frenchie and the punk so <laughs> oh, <that was> going. <laughs> so well, let me say if you listen tomorrow night my guest is a uh, james kotak uh kentucky born drummer who somehow ended up he was uh i think first he played he was a Ronnie Montrose, the band Montrose, he played with them and a few others and then ended up with the German band Scorpions for several years. And uh, then he had a band called Kotak with his own name. He's got his name tattooed on his chest, so I think that'd be pretty good in case you had amnesia or something, you know, where you were in an accident and didn't have ID. But on the front, you've got your name on the back, says so Rock and Roll Forever. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tease him about that. To- I'm not talking behind his back yet. I'm, ta- I'm going to tease him about that tomorrow night. So, James Kotak, what does my tattoo <laughs> say?
0: What <Whee>! does <laughs> my tattoo say?
1: Sweet! Okay. <laughs> Do you have tattoos, Peter?
2: No, I don't. Yeah, you know, it's just, okay. their tattoos well, they, just they... aren't for me. Yeah, you know, that's the problem, is yeah, that they... I have a punk mentality <laughs> but I look nothing like one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know uh, yeah, I don't have any either So I can say this to you, I don't want to offend anybody But whenever I hear people say Well this tattoo is to remind me of when my child was born Or this or that Or uh, this was the day my son or my daughter or whatever came And i got to tell you, every time, Peter I imagine somebody going, waking up one day And these kids coming up on that going And they freak out going, oh my god, what the hell How did these get in here? Where did they come from? Who's are they? These aren't mine, are they? And then they're all freaking out as so they go into the bathroom To lock the door to wash their face and try Try to get a grip on it, and then they look in the mirror and they go, Oh, yeah. oh my. good thing I had that tattoo. Good thing I had that tattoo. I was getting ready to call somebody to come pick them up. You know, I didn't know where they came from. You know, I just, I guess. <laughs>
2: uh, on On Red versus Blue, they did uh, they did pros and cons of getting tattoos, and the first con was you're an idiot. Think about how you were 10 years ago. Were you smart? No, you're an idiot. 10 years from now, you're going to look at that t- t- tattoo and go. I was an idiot. So that's kind of my reason for not getting a tattoo is that it's like, yeah, in 10 years, that's not going to be as cool as you think, so don't even do it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, since you have a punk mentality, and listen, so come back tomorrow night if you if you can with James Kotak. He's a pretty funny fellow. He called me uh, a few nights ago, and we chatted, bef- you know, about what we were going to talk about on the show and what he's doing, and uh, he's probably got a pretty good sense of humor. And so, yes, yeah, so pl- please, please, Peter G, please feel free to call back and join in. And since you have a punk mentality, I'm going to go out with a little bit of a song by uh, the first. Actually, the first uh, famous musician I ever had on my show, uh, Cheetah Chrome from the Dead Boys. And this is a song called East Side Story by Cheetah Chrome, who happens to be in my hometown of Atlanta tonight, playing at the Earl with uh, last night's guest, Ray Daffrico. So, everybody, come back tomorrow. And remember, on the 25th, I've got Tom Slick from uh, formerly Def Jam, Universal uh, producer for Ying Yang Twins and Pitbull and... and, uh, All kind of groovy named hip-hop people. I like that. I like all the cartoon names. I don't know what they sound like sometimes, but I like the cartoon names, Peter. So um, (laughs) I don't know. I just do. So here's Cheetah Chrome East Side Story. This is me and Peter G. signing out. Peter, say something to the people. Give me your parting words.
2: Have a good night, and please be good to each other. It's up to us to to help each other now.
1: Definitely, so will all be good to each other. And, again, come back tomorrow night. James Kotak and Tish Karabolo, uh message me. She will reschedule. And I think you're wonderful. Everybody, be good to everybody. Peter, I think you're wonderful, too.
0: Lighting up our lives Lighting up our crimes It's making it bright there's better all night It's waking people up And it's getting people caught And it shines like a brand new Shining and dying Shines like the sun Like the sun at midnight Leaks through the windows Seeks through the cracks Searching for like it like trying to crawl back if that moon is gonna shine i'll light up my life is my life is going to die
2: okay round 2 name something that's not boring